What are the golden rules of being a strong leader? Can we finally start looking forward to the exciting times ahead? And why is it absolutely necessary to take the time to understand what is important in life? Martin Boyle, CEO of IAPCO, joins me to discuss all of this and more. Martin, thank you for joining me on this episode of Deep Dive. I'm delighted to be with you, Holly. Thanks so much for the invitation. So you started your role as CEO of IAPCO in April 2019, and nobody could have predicted what you know the next few years could have held. What have been your major leadership challenges throughout the pandemic, and how have you managed to overcome these? My goodness, yes. The the uh, joining in April of 2019, uh, the events industry was booming, um, and then of course COVID hit uh, the t- tail end of uh, 2019, and of course flipped on its on its head, so to speak. Um, and for me, initially, was uh, as as a leader and to take a leadership role, Apco was really to um, you know build a strong relationship with what we call our council, who are our board at IAPCO, and understanding what the IAPCO council's vision for IAPCO was going to be and for our membership community was going to be for the next five years. So the first uh, six months, I would say, in joining IAPCO we then uh, started to map out some of a five-year strategic plan. It was time to do that. Um, there was a plan in place previous, but it was time to refresh and reanalyze what the strategy was for IAPCO with our members moving forward. So in that role as, as the new CEO and the first time IAPCO actually had a CEO in role and position, it was very new for all of us. So um, that first six months was understanding the membership, understanding what their needs and requirements were going to be, and also to start advocating on their behalf right away. Uh, So there's a few sort of leadership roles, I guess, I took on immediately, um, but really to help uh, counsel and uh, deliver a strategic plan for the five years moving forward from, from, uh, I guess it was in September that we drafted that strategic plan, presented it in February, um, mid the launch of COVID, I guess, um, to our, our General Assembly and our membership uh, when we were all together in Vancouver. So from that point on, it's been uh, sort of steering that strategic plan. Wow. So it wasn't, a, <laughs> I'm taking over a CEO, here's the blueprint, thanks very much. It was a, this is, everything is new. What a challenge, my goodness me. It was. And when we had a great team in situ in IAPCO for many years. Uh, we had an executive director and a support team that were driving uh, the activities for IAPCO, but just uh, from a CEO level and a new CEO coming in, it was just to sort of, I guess, professionalize our association and, and to build a strategy behind that moving forward. So yeah, it was an exciting time. And just talking about that strategy then, obviously um, membership focused, what do your members need? How can we serve them? Can you just give us a, a few little pointers of what that strategy involved? Sure. Well, for me, it was really to to get to know the members a little bit more. Now, I'd been familiar with IAPCO for many years, having been in the industry for, gosh, um, I'm going to give my age away here, but probably around 25 years in all sorts of different um, uh, roles and responsibilities leading up to this position. And But it really was to hear from our council, to hear from our ambassadors, to hear from our members, um, but also then the wider community that IAPCO members work in and really understand, you know, the current position at that time, um, the the needs, but also the advantages and the benefits of becoming a member and being part of the IAPCO community. Uh, so me, for me, really was to understand that probably in the first six to eight months, and then to begin to position um, in the conversation about our strategic plan, how are we going to then target some of 
their needs and their um, requirements for the years ahead. And again, the strategic plan was designed in sort of September, October, November of 2019. We had to take a real second look at that, of course, at the beginning of 2020 when the when the pandemic hit. But um, and there were some activities within there that we thought, OK, we cannot deliver on those because of the situation that we were in. But most of the activities within our strategic plan, we were able to and are still able to deliver because they had a much bigger strategy in mind and a lot more about engagement within the community and opening access and targeting key geographical regions for us for development and for education and knowledge share. So, um, yeah, it was um, it was an interesting strategy, but one that had to be I use the term quite often and I still use it back then and today, is it had to be as agile as, as possible because we had to be uh, be able to adapt proactively but also reactively to the situation that we were being dealt with. Adapt and be agile. So mm -hmm. then you are, I mean, you said it then, 25 years as a, as a meetings industry professional, um, familiar with IAPCO, of course, now the CEO of IAPCO. But also you as a human being living through the pandemic, can you tell us maybe sort of the lowest point for you during the pandemic and your daily, some of your daily coping mechanisms to overcome that? Wow. Um, yeah, great question. I mean, you know, from a personal perspective, uh, there were a lot of people close to me that contracted COVID quite early doors. Uh, and because it was such a new um a new situation and there was so much uncertainty and so much negative uh, outcomes that we were reading about in the press uh, globally um, th there was very nervous time for many people um, including myself personally and so you know from a personal perspective having to take a step back and think a little bit about you know what's important in life and what's important to people around us not just personally but also then professionally as well and I know uh, even, you know, from some of our members and the, the deep and meaningful conversations I had with, with many of our members over the last 18 to 20 months, it was very personal for some of them as well and hit home for some of them as well. So from my perspective, it was just understanding and accepting that and trying to do what we could to help each other, but also trying to do what we could for society in general uh, and just making sure that, um, you know, we are... We're saying one thing, but we're also practicing it as well. And that was very, very important to me. Practicing what we preach. Mm -hmm. So then your leadership style, we were talking about the strategy just then of IAPCO and how you've had to adapt that and be agile. But you as a leader, do you think the pandemic has changed your leadership style? And is there anything that you will, you've learned from the pandemic that you'd like to take forward? Yeah, I remember several years ago in a previous role, I undertook um, what was called a leadership circle profile program. And it was a very interesting program. Um, and it looked at four sort of characteristics, if you will. And one was the creative characteristic, one was the reactive, one was task oriented, and one was relationship oriented. So those four, I guess, pillars, if you will, of that leadership circle profile, uh, and understanding what you know, me as an individual looks at those four pillars and I review myself and view myself within each of those four, but also from an external perspective and hearing from others what they think of me within each of those four pillars as well. And I think for me during COVID and the transition of, you know, trying to get us all through COVID together, um, part of it was reactive 
of course, and probably my reactive skill came out a little bit more than it would have if we weren't faced with such trying times. But I would think as well, um, you know, it became down to a lot of relationship um, from a leadership perspective and building relationships and re-establishing but solidifying relationships that I had, but also that IAPCO has out there in the wider community. So both from our membership but also in some of the strategic partnerships that we have with other associations in the industry and um, confirming and reestablishing and rebuilding um, or solidifying and getting deeper involved in relationships with other bodies and other individuals that are out there for the greater good, right? So um, for me, it was very important that, of course, we were speaking up on behalf of PCOs. That's our voice. But it was also important that we were all coming together and speaking up with a unified voice on behalf of our industry. And so taking, a, a, I guess, a leadership profile in that or a leadership voice in that with my other leaders and fellow um, leaders of other associations out there in the industry, I, I felt was, was very important. So for me, I guess my, you know, those four pillars, they sort of juggled a little bit and you know, the light was shone on maybe the, the task oriented in some parts, but the light was also then focused quite firmly on on the creative aspect and how do we then create programs to help help to raise that voice and raise that profile for all of us. So it had to, again, back to that word agile, <laughs> I guess my, my leadership style had to be as agile as possible as well. Agile as possible. On that then, talking about collaboration and supporting each other. How important has collaboration been to you as a leader to IAPCO as, as an association throughout the pandemic? And how have you managed to unify your staff to ensure that everybody's being heard and heard and their needs be, are being met? Yeah, collaboration is hugely important for IAPCO as a, as a whole. Um, we have a number of strategic partners. They're, I would call them collaborators. And they are industry bodies that many of your audience will be aware of. Um, but we also then created um, what I called a, a task force of national PCO associations. And these are bodies that um, traditionally have not, they may be, some of their members may be members of IAPCO, but some may not, and some may not have had access to IAPCO or from an international perspective. So for me, collaborating with, uh, we were able to pull 14 of those organizations together from around the globe, from 14 different countries. And to be able to pull them together to share um, case studies, to share um, situations that their members have gone through in one country and they're probably relating and similar situations to other members in a different country across the, the other side of the world, to be able to talk through that on a regular basis together, um, but then also to come up with and to draft, again, back to that unified voice perspective, that we could all share the same message when we are advocating on behalf of our communities. And IAPCO can do that on an international level, but I felt it very important that we had that voice nationally as well. And it was important for those national voices to be able to have, I guess, um, uh, the ability to collaborate with other national bodies and national voices to come together in a unified voice. So we created a number of initiatives and we're still working through a lot of those and delivering on that, some of them. And we created some documents that helped to do that. But that wouldn't have been possible if there wasn't, um, I guess, a little bit of leadership, but more importantly, the, the openness by all parties to collaborate and the willingness for them all to do so in such an open um, setting, I think is a testament to 
and possibly a positive outcome of you know going through this pandemic and it's forced us to maybe uh, become a little bit less competitive and maybe a little bit more collaborative moving forward which i think is very very important would you say then on that before the pandemic associations and different um, sort of industry bodies were keen on keeping their their membership base and their information and their research and now the ca uh, the pandemic has been a catalyst for for that collaboration I think so. Yeah, I think it's part of that. I think uh, we are seeing a lot more collaborative research projects being done. Um, you know, there's there's some great work that's going out there and going on out there, excuse me, out in the industry. And we're involved in some of it. There's other bodies that are involved in other. Uh, and I think the more that we can do that together and um, we're getting a wider voice, but it's then channeled through through a unified voice, if, uh, if that makes sense. And for me, I think, you know, it's been a, a great outcome and a great result. And uh, the more that we can do that, the better. So, Martin, looking back across the last 20 months, is there something in particular that you're particularly proud of? Something that I'm particularly proud of? Great question. Um, I think I mentioned a couple. Uh, one thing that I'm particularly proud of is, is our members and the way that our members have been able to adapt and adjust quite quickly to working with their clients and getting their clients through what has been a very, very difficult time for all of them. Uh, and we have, of course, at IAPCO supported them in any way we can with uh, education and access to technologies and, um, you know, open conversations with all of them to help them through situations that have been very, very difficult. So I'm very proud of all of them. From a personal perspective, uh, professionally speaking, I'm very proud of, of what we are accomplishing at IAPCO. Um, you know, putting a new team together um, was was something new for us here at IAPCO. And, um, you know, we've got some great skill sets around the table. Uh, there's some really exciting times ahead for IAPCO. And I think, you know, if you can take a step back and lift your head up from all of the craziness that's been going around us uh, and actually look forward to the future and sort of see what's coming up, there are exciting times and there are exciting opportunities for all of us. So I'm very proud of being able to get us all through that together and then get us to the point where, you know, we can now actually look to some exciting times moving forward. So it's been challenging, absolutely, but um, I've been very proud of us getting through that scenario together. Then that brings me on to your golden rules as a leader then, going through the challenges and celebrating the triumphs. Is there any <laughs> nugget of advice that you can share for being a good leader? So I remember having a conversation with um, with someone probably about a year ago, a year and a half ago, actually, just when things were, were all kicking off, so to speak. And one of the things we were talking about was leadership. And I said to, to this individual, I said, you know, for me, leadership is about having uh, the conviction to make difficult decisions. Um, it's about having the strength to support and encourage other people. Uh, it's about having, you know, the humility to take advice and, you know, not yet yeah, be proud, but also be be humble at the same time. Um, it's about having vision to create. And I think with all of that mixed up together, you know, the flexibility or that agility I spoke about earlier, that flexibility to be, you know, as proactive as possible and adapt to that vision to the changing situations that you're going through. And, you know, if we can sum up what leadership really is you know, those four or five key points to me are kind of something that i think about every day and i think right what is today going to throw at us and how do we then um you know throw it back out there and make sure that we're agile but as as humble 
and creative as possible and moving forward. So for me, that's my nugget of advice or what leadership actually means to me, if that's of any help. Uh, I think that's amazing advice. And you've said there as well, they're not just words to you. This is something you live by every day, conviction, absolutely, strength, humility, vision, flexibility, all the points of being a strong leader. Martin, lastly then, what is next for IAPCO? What is next for IAPCO? You know, we have, um, we've become known uh, internationally for the quality of education that we deliver. Our members have become known and are respected by the quality of service that they deliver to their clients and in the cities that they work. And I think for us, it's, it's continuing to push that envelope. I think for us, it's continuing to create new and exciting educational programs that help our members, but also help the wider community be able to understand what's ahead for them and to provide them with some of the, the skills or at least some thoughts that enable them to then go out there and, and test and uh, to trial, but also to not be afraid to take on challenges. And I think we all have to look at what we've gone through and say, you know, it's time to be bold. It's time to, to take some chances. It's time to try something different. And even though, you know, we at IAPCO have our five-year strategic plan that we are a, a year and a half into, uh, you know, we still have to be bold and we still have to take some chances and um, we have to try different things. So for, for me, um, you know, we can't be afraid to try and try something new and uh, and hopefully it works out. Sometimes it may not, but if you've got the right vision, the right strategy behind it with, uh, with the right understanding and the philosophy, then hopefully things will. So I think, uh, you know, the future looks bright and the future looks, let's try and see what happens. I love this positivity and to be bold, go out there and be bold. If we've learned anything from the last 20 months, it's certainly that. Indeed. Now is the, now is the time. Martin, thank you so much for your time today. And thank you for coming on Deep Dive. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. Likewise, Holly. Thank you so much for your time.